Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit fightradio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Judith Peck, and we're going to be talking about her art, she's a sculptor, um, and also her book, Art and Social Interact, in Social Interaction. Um, art and Social Interaction uh, contains all of the information needed for human service institutions, liberal arts colleges, and community volunteers to present a program of creative visual arts in jails, psychiatric facilities, drug rehabilitation centers, nursing homes, shelters, and facilities for youth in need. Dr. Judith Peck is a professor emerita of art at Ramapo College of New Jersey. She is author of several fiction and nonfiction works and a sculptor with work in 80 collections, including the Yale Gallery of Art, the Ghetto Fighters Museum in Israel, in libraries, universities, and cultural and religious institutions here and abroad. Dr. Peck holds a doctoral degree from New York University and two master's degrees from Columbia University. Now, there are two websites that you can go to to visit um, about or learn more about uh, Dr. Pet. Um, one of them is for her art and sculptures, www.jpetsculpture.com. That's jpetsculpture.com. And then for bo- her books, you can visit iapbooks.com. Okay, with that, we're ready to start. Good day, Judith. Thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Robert. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I, you know, a lot of times when I go, I book guests and I go through and, you know, visit their websites, um, rarely am I so uh, entertained by visiting yours, both uh, the art and the uh, uh, the book ones, but um, especially the art. I mean, some of it is Thank you very much. So, <laughs> You're very welcome. Now, can you tell us, give us a little bit um, of an idea of the journey kind of that you had, you know, from when you kind of first started pursuing art, you know, and then why is it that you um, have kind of focused on sculpture in particular? Well, it's interesting. I've always been a sculptor. Uh, since I was 10 years old, I started it. Uh, and I was uh, always interested in the three-dimensional aspect, not uh, painting, or uh, although I do teach life drawing and I love the figure. And the figure, uh, especially the female figure, has influenced my uh, art quite a bit. Uh, and uh, you had mentioned earlier uh, the show that is ongoing uh, at the Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza in New York, gateway to the UN, and that's uh, on in New York City at 47th and 2nd Avenue through August. And it's all about ladies. It's called Ladies in Steel because there are four figures in steel, welded steel. So um, my interest uh, in uh, uh, writing.
writing emanated from the fact that I had more to say than I could fit on a pedestal for uh, working long hours in the, the sculpture media. And, you know, wood, stone, and all these things, polishing and getting them ready and all that. And I needed uh, a little bit wider outlook. So I think that's that combines the two fields, at least. Yes, yeah, very much so. And, you know, both are such creative outlets, you know, for, for an individual. So, um, well, you know, I want to talk, you know, you mentioned the, the installation that you have in New York, um, and it goes through August of this year. Now, would you mind, I'm sharing, I'm just curious. I, I've never known an artist who actually had an installation in, you know, New York City. So, how did, how did, first, how did it come about, and, and how did you um, determine the kind of sculptures you wanted to present? All right. Uh, you know, that's a good question, Robert, because there is an answer to that, uh, which is first the medium itself. Uh, so, for example, when I was working in wood, uh, I would go to the place where I could procure uh, wood that was already ready to go, you know, that had been cured uh, for over a year and all that, and I would get a shape from that. The same thing uh, with stones. Uh, I would see a certain shape that would influence me, and of course I'm always looking at nature every morning. I spend about an hour with my coffee or even two hours sometimes just looking about and just letting my mind go and seeing what's going on in nature, and you get so many ideas from that that evolve into actual art pieces, whether they're sculpture or a plot in terms of writing fiction or a truth that comes to you, you know, right <laughs> literally out of the blue, the blue sky and the green that's going on around you. Uh, so this show, this show uh, at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza, of course it's named after that great hero uh, in the Second World War who rescued so many Jews, uh, that uh, is about steel and the relationship of steel to women and women whom I admire today, of course, Women of Steel, they do so much. Since I was working from the 50s, you know, when I came of age and I married and had children at that age when women were certainly uh, uh, subjected to uh, the patriarchy, um, and now we have evolved and are able to evolve in a professional world. So this is a tribute to Ladies of Steel, and because it's in steel, uh, they're all reclining because uh, there's no other way really to deal with heavy steel. Uh, and uh, one, of course, is a dog walker. Uh, and that was a new one. Since I put the sculpture up in March, uh, I saw so many women walking dogs and men too, but the women walking them, you know, uh, and the ways in which they walked and how they looked and how the dogs related to the women and all that inspired a new sculpture altogether. So that was built uh, in March and April. And it is now standing there as the fourth lady of steel. So uh, I think there's a combination of the narrative and the medium that goes into the creation of the uh, actual art as it does in the creation of a novel. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. I'm, and now, was were you commissioned to do this, or was how, you, how did it get from to the you know the plaza? 
Right. That's a good question, too. Uh, they're all good questions. Uh, it was the Parks Department uh, that uh, sponsors these uh, art and public places. And uh, I had just uh, exhibited another sculpture on Hester Street in downtown New York City. That was through the Sculpture Guild, the Sculptors Guild, the Sculptors Guild. They uh, uh, had invited artists in their group, of which I'm a member, uh, to uh, submit sculptural ideas for that downtown area, the Lower East Side. And my sculpture was accepted, and I had finished exhibiting there, and I contacted the people from Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza because I had exhibited my steelwork there way back when 9-11 occurred. My reception itself was the date of 9-11 when I got a call at 9 o'clock in the morning saying, put on the TV, your opening has been canceled, New York is closed, and New York was indeed closed, it was 9-11. So from that day, uh, we never had that reception, but the sculptures were there. So when I told them I have a new sculpture ready to, uh, to uh, exhibit and take from Hester Street, they were delighted, uh, the people at... Uh, Jack Hammarskjöld Plaza, particularly Cheryl Kazan, who is the curator, uh, to have my shows again now, my work, uh, new work, other works in steel at the uh, plaza. And so that's how I got uh, my sculptures there. And then I added another one, uh, and then, of course, the new one, as I just mentioned. So there are four there now. Oh, that's wonderful. So I definitely wanted to let my folks, followers, listeners in New York City know about that and, and go down and, and take uh, take that in. That would be great. Um, they're, they're beautiful sculptures, you know, when I, when I looked at the pictures of them. So I would be, I'm sure they're impressive in person. Um, Thank you for so, that. I would love more people to see if they're all open day and night uh, to see there. And also there's a glass case that has other pictures of my work in it right on the corner of 2nd Avenue and 47th Street. So thank you very much. I, I would be very pleased to have people come down and see it. And, of course, they can certainly contact me to tell me if they like it or not, or if they'll pull by it, if they love it, uh, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. And, and, uh, and if listeners want to take a picture uh, next to the one, <laughs> go ahead and take one and send it in to me. I'll definitely make sure that it come, gets to you. Um, so now the idea of the art on a plaza, you know, um, the, the book and the manual that you had created regarding um, um, art and social interaction, it seems that the a plaza would be an ideal place for social interaction, <laughs> you know, um, so that's a very uh, nice uh, combination there that you've made because it's full of people walking around. As a matter of fact, people like to pose their dog in front of the uh, woman walking her dog. It's called Joyful Absolutely. Moment, that sculpture. And they often pose their dogs there and take a picture of it. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting because the leash doesn't connect to anything, you know, or at the, in the beginning. The leash now connects to an actual dog that I created for that. But meanwhile, uh, there's plenty of room for new dogs to stand under that open leash. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that'd be great. About people. Do you want me to talk about that relationship to uh, uh, my interest in people and their interactions? Yes. 
I would like to, you know, yeah, hear, hear how it has become, you know, um, important to you. All right. And I also would like to inject the word courage because courage is at the basis of, of both of these media, if you want to put it that way, and, and what I did. Uh, the book, Art and Social Action, emanated from a drive I was taking to the college, ready to teach. And I had just read uh, J.F. Kennedy's book, Profiles in Courage. And I had been very impressed by that book, because courage is at the root of any kind of productive creativity. You have to have courage to create something new that's never been done before. Uh, and we don't have that courage. We have to build it, at least I do. It doesn't come naturally. It has from your experience or uh, from uh, seeing the interaction of people that you yourself want to learn from uh, and, of course, reading and all that. And I thought to myself, my students need courage. They they need the courage at this time in their life. They're 19, 20, and 21, and what they don't realize is the powers of their life. This is a high point of their energy and uh, the uh, goal orientation that they have and how they uh, want to do something with their lives. And it's it's a it's a point at which they desperately need courage uh, to be able to. Uh, fulfill those uh, needs. And uh, I thought then about the people that I knew and I had seen in mental hospitals and even in, in imprisoned, incarcerated, and the frail elderly, uh, and people uh, undergoing uh, addictions in drugs and alcohol and all the poverty uh, situations in, um, that I had encountered uh, in Patterson, particularly in the housing projects, and I said, these people need courage, too. Uh, what better way to invent and to um, put it all together than working in art? Uh, art has a tremendously therapeutic effect. In fact, many of the people who have read this book and have been involved in the program, Art and Interaction, uh, have um, in, in, indeed built up some courage and self-confidence uh, by seeing what's inside themselves beyond their particular situations. So um, that started uh, this program, and the book is uh, a result of the program. The program is ongoing now at Ramapo College. It's still ongoing, and I want more people in college situations and in volunteer situations to be able to learn from the book how exactly to start a program in their site. Uh, the art program and the social work program in colleges is a perfect place for it to begin, as well as community volunteers that are involved in various programs at the Y or other places, because this tells you how to do it from the ground up, uh, all the projects as well as the memos you have to send and how to get the institutions involved to accept it. Because uh, let's face it, uh, they're not so interested in having people come from the outside coming in. Um, you know, safety uh, considerations mm -hmm. are the main thing. So why do they want young people coming in? You know, with their uh, uh, and, and with tools and materials of art, which are not uh, something they're used to. So all that the book spells out, and I think. It's my interest in people altogether and getting things done and fixing things that uh, pervades everything I do, I guess. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's wonderful to be able to have a a guide that can take you through the process because, I mean, you're, you, you know, you're, you're talking about um, so many factors from the, the participants to the people who will be doing, you know, per, you know, presenting the program, you know, and again, too, like you say, you know, institutions, you know, and um, so, I mean, it's, those are three, you know, major components that there's just so much detail that has, has to be um, put forth. Um, so, you know, and you, when you were mentioning about institutions and, you know, having people come in, you know, if, you know, people, in particular, people who are from underserved areas, you know, um, then, you know, quite often, you know, there's, a, you know, maybe even additional resistance because of that. Well, there's a lot of resistance uh, from the institutions, uh, but when they see how the participants are helped by this, and that's the key, they then are willing to make some of these sacrifices they have to do, put another person on duty, you know, to oversee it uh, or accept uh, the materials that go in. Let's face it, when you're in a jail, Robert, uh, you don't carry weapons, you carry a stick, but you don't carry a gun because it could be turned against you. So if somebody sticks something in your back, they don't know that it's a fountain pen uh, or, a, you know, a, the end of a pencil. They, they can. So uh, all these things uh, would, in a sense, uh, deter them besides the personnel they have to uh, put on and all that. Uh, and it disturbs the institutional routine. And I will mm -hmm. tell you that it's this institutional routine that we are trying to circumvent by bringing out what's inside of the individual. Yes, they are incarcerated. Yes, they are frail like the elderly and have use of all their limbs and their uh, mental capacities. And speaking of mental capacities, the mentally ill have that tremendous limitation uh, of the brain functioning. Uh, and the people who have been abused or, or uh, and have those things to live with, they have another person inside of themselves ready to emerge, uh, and art can do that. It's a magic mix uh, between the materials, between uh, the approach of it, which is very spontaneous, and, uh, and I'll tell you more about that if you'd like uh, in a minute. Uh, but then out emerges their experiences, their memories, uh, the things that are truly themselves in the artwork, where guess what? They can see it. Not only can they see it and say, hey, this is me, I did this, but they can share it. And sometimes with the institutional people who are a little impressed, wow, I never knew that about you, because all they can see is the group itself, you know what I mean, taking charge mm -hmm. of the group, keeping them safe, right? Yeah, yeah so, yeah, and, and, you know, you said spontaneity, you were mentioning spontaneity. What, yes, I would know, like to talk uh, about for example, if you ask somebody to take a piece of paper and draw something, draw, it's very difficult. That piece of paper is a big space, and they are afraid to ruin the paper, right? So we have to do other approaches. We, have, we never have them uh, face a, a blank piece of paper uh, because there's so much in their uh, personality that is also, in a sense, a blank page. And they are so anxious to touch on it and, and, and find out what's there. So 
we find something. We start with a scribble, and the scribble is in a very, very loose way. We don't want to, that prefrontal cortex to get invaded, you know, with what they have to do, what they should do, what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do, what they're expected. So the scribble, and after the scribble, freely, very freely with the arm moving, not only the fingers, but the arm moving over the scribble, they are asked to find something in the scribble after the scribble ends. That's the next process. See anything, darken it as you see, and you will always begin to see something. It could be only a form, and that form emerges. I myself, when I was studying at the Art Students League for a year, I had a merit scholarship there I was very pleased about, and I would, after the model left the platform and scuffed off, put her robe on and scuffed off and took a break, I would scribble on the page, and invariably I would find something, because I was free then. I just felt very free, and I created a large wood sculpture, because I had a large form and a small form, a large form and a small form, emerging on the paper, and that became supreme being, how an individual sat before what they considered a supreme being, another being that really guided their life, and it was a wood sculpture in Walnut. Uh, which I don't have anymore. It was sold, but uh, it's interesting how it literally emanated from a scribble, and these participants can see the same thing. So once they have those forms, they can put color on it, and whether they do anything further, they have a piece of art once the color is added and the forms are uh, more articulated. They can put that in a frame, which we made, uh, and see this emerge from them. Their mood at the time, perhaps it was, okay? just their mood at the time. So that's mm-hmm. one example of the approach. But we have to be very keen on the approach uh, and very sure of ourselves. And this all has to be told uh, to our students how to approach these individuals, different in the jail, different uh, in the frail elderly, different in, you know, those facilities for poverty and for abuse and those and things. So that's all in the book, how, how to approach each one of those uh, constituents. Wow. That's, yeah, because I would, you know, think like you were saying with a uh, pencil or pen in jail would have been, um, a, you know, kind of a difficult Right, because in the jail, for example, let's face it, they really want something from you and they want to use it. And then, uh, so we have to, you know, be sure not to yeah. give uh, our home addresses or anything like that. But there's one more thing I want to say about the approach. It's a approach where our students work directly next to uh, the uh, people that uh, they're engaging, the participants. They do their own artwork. The participant is doing uh, his or her artwork, and they find things in uh, the drawing. Like, for example, uh, I, if I'm the student, might say, um, well, I like that tree that you begin to write and draw in your drawing. I had a tree like that in my yard. And I remember we had a swing underneath it, and I used to meet my boyfriend sometimes there and, you know, uh, and all that, uh, or whatever it is. Or I was a child at that time, and I, uh, uh, and they, in other words, opening up to your experience would open up to their experience, all uh, summoned by whatever was on one of your papers, yours or theirs. So that's another approach, the one-on-one to arts. Yeah, that's. Wow, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. And um, I know I'm going to try scribbling after our show today. <laughs> it's 
Now, what you know, we you when we're speaking of you know art and projects, you know, and like you said, there were you know the the types of um, audiences you were speaking to, um, you know, again are, are so diverse. And like we said, you know, you might want to know, not do something with pen, pen or you know, you know, pencil, you know, with gel. What kind of art would? What are what are some of the other types of other than you know pen and ink and maybe painting? Um, what are some other types of you know art projects that maybe you know you found you know maybe helpful for the elderly, for example? Excellent. Wonderful, right. The elderly uh, sometimes don't have full use of their limbs and are have difficulty seeing, for example, uh, and sometimes even hearing what you're talking about. So uh, projects for them have to be geared uh, towards that, and there is a lot of helping there where our students or the volunteers uh, would be instructed in how to help them. Uh, so you might uh, draw things on the, on the paper, to extend what they've already begun and that sort of things, you know. They have drawn just a line across the paper. You might want to uh, make that line a horizon line and then uh, mm. perhaps a sun on top of it, and then they could fill in what would be underneath the horizon line or something like that. So you would add to it very often uh, and also help them. So we need, they need that help. With, with children, the help is a, a little bit different, but let me go forward with the elderly. Sometimes I have my students understand, help to understand uh, freedom, their understanding of what freedom is as they engage with all of these individuals and in the nursing home to understand they have legs that want to walk and run and climb a hill and can do so easily. And the gratitude that they have this is something I want to uh, make them aware of, that they can do this. They can swing their arms as way, uh, any way they want to. They can hear the birds easily, and they can uh, see that distant mountain range as well as uh, the flower, the rose up close. And this sense of freedom uh, pervades everything in this uh, program and in the book uh, because, uh, I, I, for example, let me give you an idea. In the jail, once we were working in the women's jail, which is a dormitory, it's not like the men are, you know, uh, so they're mm -hmm. all living together in their dormitory. And one, when we finished the session, one of the inmates took uh, the, uh, a folder uh, with her artwork you know, with it and began to walk right behind the students out the door. It was really funny. We all had a big laugh over that, uh, you know what I mean, because uh, she was trying to imitate the students and walk out the door, you know, all that. So that wasn't mm -hmm. funny. It, was, it may be funny to us. It wasn't funny to the guards. Uh, but after I left the session, and I go uh, twice during the semester to see what they're up to, um, when I left that session, I had four young children uh, at the time. I had a feeling of what I'm going to make for dinner, what I'm going to make, how it's, it's going to be a protein and a starch and a vegetable, and I'm going to get the wash done, which I have to do, and I'm going to do all these things. I was free to do each and every one of these things. 
make a telephone call to whoever I wanted to and speak to them. I listed everything that was denied from these women working together uh, and in left, leaving their children behind to be cared for by a grandmother or a mother, uh, uh, some other mother. Uh, and I had this wonderful freedom uh, to be able to do everything I, uh, I uh, wanted to, like I'm instilling in the students to be grateful for their family, to have a family that supports them, for example, uh, and they have the ability to go forward with their goals with education. So um, I know I, you want to talk about the frail elderly, but the frail elderly led me to all these other incapacities uh, that uh, the students are dealing with and how they emerge from this uh, with a light step in their walk, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, and, and I understand, I had my kind of, you know, moment like that, gosh, it was when I was in college many years ago, but uh, part of my psychology coursework was um, working in a, a, a mental institution for Oh, good, I didn't know and, that. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, um, but um, anyway, it was, you know, that particular moment and that work for me, you know, I mean, I, when I left at the end of the day, boy, I, you know, that idea of freedom, no, I mean, it was, you know, college years were rough years, you know, in a way, so, you know, just that yeah. uh, sense of gratitude was just overwhelming. Exactly, that's exactly right. And when you hear the bar, you know, the, the locks close behind you when you go into yeah. the jail, you know. <laughs> and when you even have to go out to the car and change your bra because there's metal in the bra, they won't let you through, you know. So you have to go back in the oh car and take it off. There's so, there's so many uh, aspects of that. There's one other uh, thing I might mention, since you wanted practical reasons of where you can approach art in without using the pencil and the pen on a blank piece of paper. Uh, all the cards I get for Christmas and, and all the free cards that come with the charities and all that, I save them, and they, the students can use those cards uh, and give a provocative idea uh, to the people. For example, this card doesn't remind you of anything. Or take the tree from this card, put it on, paste it onto your paper, uh, or take the little rabbit from this and paste it onto your paper and see what comes from that. And so we often do that, take little elements of uh, even these Christmas cards have a lot of similar elements, but any one of them. Uh, I remember that when they used the cards and one inmate had chosen a rabbit and he saw a bush and he put the bush on there too, he pasted that, and I talked to him about it. And it turned out, as I asked him, what's the story behind this? And, you know, he began to add all the elements. He had already added elements. He began to see that he was that rabbit hiding behind the bush and he had been incarcerated because of lack of alimony payments. <laughs> so mm. he began to stand himself in relation to that. That's unusual, but that often happens. Uh, we don't try to bring our therapy into this. Uh, of course, the whole process is therapeutic, and it is based on art, but we don't analyze anything. But it's interesting when people can analyze it themselves out of a clear blue sky and start to, you know, see... Uh, aspects of themselves in the art. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're a little past halfway through the show, Julius, so I want to take just a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk a, continue talking um, about the program and, and its benefits, okay? 
Excellent. Thank you very much. Great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Dr. Judith Peck, and we're talking about her sculpture, her art, um, as well as the book Art and Social Interaction, um, which gives, which is a guide for information for human service institutions, uh, liberal arts colleges, community volunteers, to basically put together an art program and um, Find, find the benefits. So you can find out more about Judith's um, sculptures and, and look at them at www.jpecsculpture.com. And you can find out information about her books, including art and social interaction, by visiting her website, which is www.iapbooks.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Judith. Yes, I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> Great. So, oh, and I, I do want to give that another plug again about that, your um, Ladies in Steel uh, installation at, uh, and, and you have to tell me the name of that um, plaza again, Dag Hammerskold? It's hard, a, you know, to spell as well as pronounce. Dag Hammerskold, H-A-M-M-A-R-S-K-J-O-L-D, Dag Hammerskold. <laughs> Plaza, named after that hero uh, who uh, rescued so many Jews. He's Swedish. Uh, and that's uh, an installation of four welded steel sculptures, which I call Ladies of Steel. Uh, and it's on uh, through August. And the park is a delightful place. It happens to be the largest midtown park in New York. Uh, and it goes all the way from 2nd Avenue to 1st Avenue uh, at uh, uh, 47th Street. Uh, and right beyond 1st Avenue, there you open to the uh, U.N., so uh, it's called Gateway to the UN very often. So I was privileged to uh, be invited to show those uh, sculptures there uh, throughout the summer. And it began in March, Actually, actually. It began in March and it goes through August of this year, so 2023. Yes, uh-huh. so. Yeah. And the book that you referred to, uh, thank you mm-hmm. for mentioning the websites, but uh, 
uh, it can be uh, bought through Rutledge, the publisher, which is Rutledge.com, uh, just naming the title of the book, uh, R-O-U-T-L-E-D-G-E, Rutledge. Okay, that's great, good. And your other books are also available through Rutledge as well, correct? Uh, the, well, the uh, book for elementary uh, school teachers is. Uh, okay. There are different publishers. The oh. novel has a different publisher and so forth. But most of them are all to be seen at the website you described, which is imagination-arts.com, but you wrote IAP Books, which is fine. That's, it will be deferred right there. So iapbooks.com is fine, and that does uh, describe the books. Yeah, that's great. So now, with with the program, um, is uh, have have you mentioned that it's still an ongoing program? How how um, how many you know individuals have you um, are you currently working with, or you know what is there in a particular um, average size um, that you have for this? Sure. Well, uh, uh, it's offered once uh, a year, uh, sometimes in the spring, sometimes in the fall. Uh, the title is Art and Interaction is there uh, in terms of the, the uh, actual course. Uh, it's also uh, considered a um, general ed course. So students have to select so many gen ed courses in their curriculum, and this qualifies as a gen ed course, so that's very good, too. Um, and we usually have, uh, well, it depends. I haven't been teaching it since I retired in 2014. Other people are, uh, but it's still on the books, and it's, it's taught this semester by an actual art therapist, uh, which gives it another credential. Uh, I would say there are anywhere from 12 to uh, 18 people in the course, uh, you know, uh, it mm -hmm. depends. And so, uh, but they come from all aspects of the school. Uh, when I was teaching, we had people from business administration even and all, uh, because it was a gen ed aspect. But the point is students, if I might say, get out of it and understanding which they may never have about the major domestic issues of our time. We're talking about crime, we're talking about mental illness, uh, aging, um, veterans' concerns, because that's another site that can be dealt with. Uh, poverty, we're dealing with uh, major housing projects and other places where people have that limitation. And, of course, all the addictions and the abuse uh, fields. So uh, they will learn one-on-one -on -one by actually sitting down with the people that have suffered through this and are trying to get beyond it uh, through this magic mix of art and social interaction. Because talking is very important. Being able to articulate what's on your mind and having that freed by uh, have your, your emotion in the art, you know. Uh, I guess it's like a good stiff drink, you know what I mean? You start talking. <laughs> and when you start to free yourself through seeing something that you've created on art and, and being, you know, kind of proud of yourself about that, uh, whatever it is, I'm not sure myself how art is that uh, creative and how that is art. That art is... Uh, uh, it's so freeing of oneself, but it does work. There is a magic mix there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and it's, there's also the um, the idea that it really 
transcends language in a way, you know, in the sense that, you know, whenever you're in, you know, quite often there can be some language challenges, you know, you know between folks, you know, as far as communicating. And, and That's right. And the, uh, the emergence, I, as I had said before, of the tree, for example, on one's uh, paper, uh, and that stimulates uh, the memory of the tree. And when you have a memory that you're trying to bring forth, your own personal memory, it's different than trying to meet somebody else's expectations. This is your tree that you have produced, you know, that you have remembered, and so forth. And therefore, it's easier to bring that forth in conversation, but Robert, you may know, especially in your field, that uh, conversation itself is a work of art. To be able to bring something up from your own experience or memory, to begin to fashion it into words, and then be able to articulate through your mouth so someone else can actually receive it, it's really like a work of art, uh, you know, in a way, if you really want to think deeply about it, but that's not the point of our conversation right now. But well, indeed, but then, you know, in uh, in the ways that it is, though, so you know, because um, so many, I've, I've known a plenty of person who you know would say that they're not creative. You know, I do, I do a lot of creative stuff. I mean, that's just one of you know between photography and and you know oh. um, oh. yarn kind of thing. You know, but anyway, I just I love creating. You know, to me that you know that's just uh, one of the things I do and. Um, you know, I've, I've come across people, I'm not creative, you know, I'm, I'm not artistic at all. And, you know, and then I kind of always have to, you know, say, well, wait a minute, let's, let's think about this for a second. And then, and, and, you know, kind of explore where their creativity may be. Maybe it's in the kitchen, you know, maybe it's in the garden or whatever, you know. That, but, um, That's true. Uh, Everybody is creative. In, I mean, even when you choose the color of your lens, I mean, we all want to be creative. We have that urge to be creative. We just have to find the ways in which it can come out. Uh, you know, it occurred to me uh, that you may want me to just uh, cite the contents of the book itself so you can see the breadth of it. Is that something that you might be interested in? Yes, yes, I think that would be great. Okay, uh, this is the contents of the book, which is all about the program itself and how you can actually produce such a program. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could expand this more throughout you know, the, the country? So uh, we, we start with the concept and design, talking about the, uh, how uh, the background of it, the overview, and how the program is a learning experience for presenters to make them understand the major issues of our time, both a cultural significance, a personal significance, and the information that one, you know, can gain from it. And then the participating groups, the whole overview of all the kind of groups that you could work with. Uh, you know, I don't um, – we, well, we discussed all those particular groups already, so mm -hmm. you know who they are. And then uh, preparing the, the program as an academic fieldwork course, it has to fit into a college curriculum. And so how that does work, the structure of, uh, of the course and the, the pre-registration, how you would plan the course, uh, the curriculum content of it and all that so it matches uh, what the uh, college needs. That's all described how to do that. Uh, and then how to get to the community field sites. Uh, for the program, how to reach them. Uh, sometimes it's a little hard to reach them. Of course, now we have the Internet, which makes it much easier. Uh, but uh, we reach those 
sites that we think it would work in, and then how to have an orientation at that site. They have to tell you what their needs are. Uh, the jail needs, uh, you know, are very different uh, from the frail elderly mm -hmm. nursing homes, and of course the drug abuse, so these shelters for domestic violence. They all have things that they want to accomplish in their sites, and the orientation uh, there is very important. Um, so how to actually have those orientations is important and how individuals can come right to the campus uh, to talk about it. And then the projects themselves, uh, how to approach it and how to do them in drawing, collage, painting, sculpture, fabric. Working in fabric is particularly good for the nursing home. They're used to doing practical mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. and things that can have some, uh, you know, usefulness. And a puppet, puppet making is interesting too. Jewelry, uh, all these projects are done to vary, uh, you know, the impact of the art. And then, of course, there's how to enhance, expand, and evaluate the program. People want to know if it's working, uh, and so we have methods for that. So that's the general table of contents of the book itself. It covers just all aspects of it. I thought you might be interested in, in the, your viewers uh, hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, and. I was, that was what kind of, you know, gave me the, the, the insight into how diverse and how, you know, the, the, the details, you know, required, you know, to, from, from conception through implementation, you know, the, right. all the considerations that one has to have. And, um, so, but it, it's good that you've got it mapped out for people because then, you know, the, it would be a great guide for that. Now, we're, we've been talking about it in, you know, college or in school situations, educational situations. Um, have have you had this program um, process implemented um, outside the educational realm? No, not this whole program, the social interaction program, but it could be, and that's why in the book. Uh, I add that component to it because an individual volunteer might want to do this or a group of people uh, in some club, uh, you know, uh, adult club uh, or even teenage club, although it has to be with adult supervision uh, in a, any kind of a teenage club together. It's just too uh, intricate otherwise. But any group at the Y, for example, uh, uh, there are groups, in fact, I didn't ask to speak to a group coming up uh, about an, uh, a particular art project, which I can tell you about in a minute, the project, not the group. Uh, so I know there are groups out there that might want to take advantage of this sort of thing. So uh, I've expanded in the book to volunteers as well as the college situation. It's ideal in the college situation, of course, where they have uh, mm -hmm. you know, the the, the, the constituents, they have the, I mean, the student body already at the time in their lives when they're really most interested in this and where they can get some credit for it and some career opportunities because many of our students uh, decide to work in human service uh, afterwards in various capacities. So that's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. so it's ideal there, but it's, it's also perfectly uh, adequate and uh, inspirational and also uh, informative for volunteers. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was kind of. I, I wanted to make sure to to get that out there because I I realized that you know that 
it can be applied in, in those non-education settings. Um, and there, I'm sure there are people, I, I, I've, you know, dealt with people in, in assisted living homes and, you know, their, their activity director, for example. Yes, you know, absolutely. Was, was, I often reference uh, activity directors, uh, in, uh, in the book. And, you know, the tables are, uh, there's a, about, uh, 17 tables here which actually write the memo for you. You don't even have to prepare, you know, write the letter to the institution that you want to, uh, help. Uh, and many of these things. So a sample master chart of how you would, you know, uh, know what exactly where you're serving and uh, and who the administrator is and what times you're going to go there and all that. So I've tried to cover all the details to make it very easy to institute this program because, like you, Robert, who worked in the mental hospital, uh, I want this program to serve uh, the volunteers and serve you know, the constituents, which it can so easily do. It's just like a discovery. People should discover the use of spontaneous art activity in concert with people who want their inner personalities to emerge and are not able to because of the situation they're in or the institution they're in uh, or the circumstances that got them there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a powerful tool for for that uh, self-expression when it's difficult, you know, in, in circumstances that are difficult, you know, to have that show up. Um, yes, we're, we're down to the last uh, ten minutes, Judith. So I, I really want to take a minute, a couple minutes, and talk about your other book um, because I just I find it uh, first of all because it's um, directed toward children, uh, ages four to eleven, but it's called Dynamic Play and Creative Movement: Powering Body and Brain. So. Tell us about that, because I think that's, again, this is another form of, I think, you know, self-expression. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you very much uh, for inviting that discussion, because I learned so much myself. I had written the book, Leap to the Sun, Learning Through Dynamic Play, which may, perhaps some of your listeners may have heard of. Uh, it was uh, uh, so quite a few copies, uh, thousands of copies with Prentice Hall, and that was in the 70s. Uh, but when I wrote this book, this book is a uh, an expansion of Leap to the Sun, Learning Through Dynamic Play, to actually document how closely the body and brain work together. And one thing children have, more than anything, are three major ingredients, and we don't use them enough in education, and yet they have learned from the cradle to use these three, I call them endowments, one is physical energy. We all know if we've been around children, the physical energy. I mean, if a leg will move under a table, they will move. If they can run and still walk, they will, and all those things. They are physically engaged all the time. They've learned through their physical movements. The second thing is a vast imagination. They don't have logic, you know, uh, at this point to look at this plus this plus this is a consequence. They use imagination to solve their problems. And imagination uh, is a, a tremendous tool to be able to uh, spur you on to find uh, the, uh, the answer. And the third thing is self-expression, and that too, which, uh, sometimes uh, to the absolute exasperation of a parent, uh, but their expression, their actual expression, ways to express themselves 
is what they need from the cradle on again. Their tears, their laughter, uh, everything is involved in that. And now, uh, with this new book, I've done the research about the brain-body connections. And now that we're able to get inside the brain, uh, we see uh, all the neural connections, the synaptic uh, connections that actually function, uh, stimulated by bodily movements. What I discovered is that uh, the brain actually predicts what we're going to do all the time. It's there all the time and predicting what we want and what we will do by what we've done before. It's, and it only is there to help you, to help you achieve what you want to do. Uh, this, it's, it's really quite amazing. It's like having a devoted mother inside you all the time who will plan and predict and take care of you. Uh, but you have to, of course, be curious enough to want to go forward and, and uh, have experiences because that's what the brain predicts uh, from. So um, I'm delighted that elementary school teachers would now pick up this book and use some of these ideas. It's all about uh, doing it. Uh, and uh, they, you mustn't really be afraid uh, to show yourself off of uh, actually moving around the room, uh, interpreting things. Uh, of course, it begins by sitting down and talking about it. Let me give you an example. Maybe that's the best way. Uh, let's say you want to interpret a butterfly. So the first thing children will do is flap around the room and walk in a circle, run in a circle and flap their wings. But that's not a butterfly. A butterfly has magnificent colors. A butterfly alights in a very gentle way, you know, sort of floating down to the floor. And it might come up on a diagonal of some kind, you know. But how to elicit the colorful display and patterns on a butterfly? All these things are talked about first. And the child uh, who has seen a butterfly is sort of stimulated to describe the butterfly that he or she has seen and so forth. And that confidence building by being able to talk about what he's seen and then have children interpret from what he said is tremendous in terms of self-confidence. And self-confidence is the absolute necessary ingredient to be able to learn, to want to learn to say, I'm pretty good at this, you know, this <laughs> learning business. What's the next challenge? So all these things are in that book, uh, This how this understanding those three major endowments of children need to be used in regular learning from uh, preschool or all the way up, uh, you know, through elementary grades, especially ending at about age uh, uh, at the, the third grade, I think, you know. So um, that's when the kids want to really involve themselves, but it can be throughout in elementary school. So I'm hoping people will will uh, use that material. It's all in there in that book. Yeah, it, it's good. It, it's, that's a wonderful um, way to, you know, even for parents or, you know, grandparents, you know, just the idea of recognizing the importance of, of movement and, and maybe stimulating uh, ideas for activities. Um, That's right, well, and sometimes you know, parents might want to use it for a your birthday party uh, to do the uh, projects in the book. Uh, and there's many mm-hmm. hundreds of projects of how you can use the body to stimulate the brain. That's wonderful. Well, I have one last comment about your sculpture. <laughs> you, have, yeah. you, have a ser- you have a series called the Trump Series. And then when I saw that listed on your website, I thought, oh, boy. <laughs> a series called what was that word? The Trump series. 
Oh, the Trump oh. series. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have 20 sculptures of the Trump series. Oh, yeah. Uh, people uh, love that artist, but I stopped doing that. I, I became, uh, I must tell you, and this is not a political show, but I became so disgusted with the man that I couldn't produce any more of those. <laughs> they were all very funny and humorous, you know. Uh, but thank you for asking that, yes. Uh, if he runs again, there's no question I'm going to put another 20 on there. <laughs> I bet. Well, well, you know, they, I did. I got a really big chuckle out of uh, many of them. So, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. that well, thank you so much. Way. I didn't know you peruse so closely the websites. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. It was very nice. And you also have a series of videos so people can go on and, and look at that. And uh, So, anyway, well, it has really been a delight, uh, Judith, speaking with you. And I really appreciate you spending time with us. Well, it's been my pleasure, Robert. You asked wonderful questions, and I was very happy uh, to uh, try to answer them. And I like the way you uh, combined uh, the sculpture with the writing, because uh, you're right. Uh, there definitely is those connections, those connections with all of us. We all work in different media in different ways, actually. That's right. That's right. Yep. And, and to recognize that one isn't necessarily limited to one particular medium. So, you know, to, to definitely explore. So, well, and I'm you glad you me. asked me about uh, the initial impetus of courage because uh, I'd like uh, your listeners to take away courage as a fundamental uh, underpinning of anything you want to do that's meaningful. Build the courage and there are ways to do it and then uh, go forward. Go forward with energy. Uh, and we can certainly learn from our children those three ingredients they have, physical energy and the imagination and the need for self-expression. These are still within us. We are children, basically, and we have emerged as adults, but that child is still inside of us. Exactly, exactly. So, well, thank you very much. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Dr. Judith Peck. We've been talking about her art, her sculptures, um, as well as the book and program, Art and Social Interaction. And, again, you can find out more um, uh, about Dr. Judith's sculpture and videos by visiting her website, which is www.jpecksculpture.com, and that's J-P-E-C-K, sculpture.com. And her books can be seen at www.iapbooks.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.